Hello. So today, uh, our guest is a company called Vieso, represented by its co-founder and CEO, Donut Ponomarev. Together with me, have a look inside the world of Vieso as uh, Donut talks about the technology behind their product. And uh, they are solving a problem that will be more and more pressing issue in the ever-increasing numbers of IoT devices installed around us, usually in the built environment or in the wild, actually. And the problem is, how do we power mobile electronics and sensors without batteries? By converting vibrations into electricity, that's how. And uh, they've come up with a system capable of doing just that. Keep watching. Hello, my name is Alexander Morari and I'm the founder of ITK Media. You've tuned into our podcast about Central and Eastern European startups that are in pre-Series A stage. And today's guest is uh, Donat Ponomarev, the co-founder of uh, Vieso. Vieso is a clean tech startup that has developed vibration energy harvesting technology by which sensors and other IoT elements and devices can be powered without batteries. I wanted to say without limits, but that's not yet. Hello, Donat. Hi. So look, um, as a quick warm up, um, energy harvesting as such uh, is an interesting space def definitely and um, I found out myself how many different ways of uh, harvesting the energy there are like soul power thermal energy wind energy and so on and um, you mentioned in a couple of uh, video presentations that as far as energy harvesting um, on the electric side so to say there are more traditional in 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 invention uh invented and innovational types and you um, you assign yourself the innovation kind of uh, approach right so you mentioned electromagnetic by faraday like piezo uh, electric but ceramics and then comes Vieso way so tell me in a nutshell wh why you think Vieso is the way to go for uh energy harvesting in in certain contexts Sure. So, uh, yeah, basically the vib in vibration energy harvesting, you can divide into three parts, which you have already mentioned. So the first thing is the electromagnetic induction, which is the oldest one uh, developed by the Michael Faraday himself uh, more than 200 years ago. And uh, the thing there that um, it is in a nutshell, it's just too expensive now. Uh, it is uh, it develops good amounts of energy, but it's just too expensive now to use. The second one is uh, the piezoelectric as well, but piezo ceramics. Piezo ceramics are probably the worst way to 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 make that happen because it is expensive, it is toxic, and it is fragile. So, and and it you know doesn't stand out a lot in terms of how much energy can be generated from it. And the third way is the way which we use also the piezoelectric one. However, we use uh, environmentally friendly material, uh, polymer material. So um, it is it is significantly cheaper to process and to develop and uh, and establish uh, on the on the vibration energy harvester. Uh, so also it uh, uses way different uh, construction uh, comparing with the electromagnetic one. So so far. Uh, our construction has a bit lower energy uh, generation, uh, the power output basically than the electromagnetic induction, but we win strongly on the price point. And uh, what we can see is that, uh, well, sky's the limit in terms of how much can be achieved uh, in the in the in, in further, uh, you know, and basically. Uh, 
uh, in two years, in three years already, we have achieved uh, very significant results with very low funding. So with a great amount of funding and an army of engineers, we can achieve significantly more. That's why we call it innovation. So before we dive into the solution itself and the product, um, I was trying to understand the logic behind the name of the company, Yezo. And then after I read a couple of um, articles with you and so on, it just clicked in my mind. Yezo is almost like Piezo, where Piezo is the pressure and Viezo, you're playing playing on words with vibration, I understand, right? Correct, absolutely correct. So that was that was an interesting uh, part when I when I came up with that name. So when I came up with that, I thought, wow, that 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 would be fantastic. And uh, obviously, the first thing to check was whether the domain is available. So and unfortunately, .com was not available. So we went in with the .co. Uh, but then we got some issues uh, uh, with our email that uh, with the CEO, uh, they usually go into spam because that's a Colombian domain. So we had to switch to Lithuanian one. And we're still seeking for the .com one. So let's hope that one day we'll get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you in uh, negotiations with the owners, current, current owners? Not yet. We're not focused on that thing yet. Maybe at some point in the future. Uh, right now we have more uh bigger things to do than the domain more pie more piercing uh issues uh on your plate, yeah so round one solution uh donut uh, what wh what is the actual product and solution that you are uh, developing right now because i understand there's the polymer polymer part but also the hardware part and co like combined this is the iot that you are trying to put together in the market right how do you explain yourself uh, for that's that's right so yeah you can you can divide that into separate parts so there's a polymer part uh, which has to be processed in a certain way to generate that electricity to become piezoelectric so at the very beginning we have tried to uh, process it on our own but then we understood that we cannot do it cheap so we need some some serious machinery uh, to make that happen and uh, instead of that, we've just uh, started to look for for providers or suppliers who could provide that uh, processed uh, polymer. And luckily, we have found several. And uh, there are only really only several of those in the in the world because uh, no one really does anything with a with a processed PVDF within the piezoelectric one. And well, according to our knowledge, we're yet the only one company in the world commercializing the vibration energy harvesting with that material. The reason behind it is that uh, no one really could achieve some reasonable amounts of electricity from it. That's why there are no other companies. Yeah, so, but we, we got several suppliers, so we're uh, purchasing that, that polymer material from them. And uh, the real beauty of what we do is that we have basically found out that, you know, perfect recipe, as we call it, you know, on how to put it and how to process it into the construction level to in order to generate good amounts of electricity. So basically the product from us is the vibration energy harvester, as you see it. So basically it generates electricity and it stores so that you can just take the usable electricity from there. And for it, we use those polymers, which we process and do some magic with it in order to, to, to make it work as it should. Yeah, you said you mentioned the magic and uh, is this magic already protected by the patent or is it still ongoing and what's the plan uh, to uh, to increase the defendability 
So uh, obviously we have filed the uh, international PCT patent uh, in August 2020. So it is patent pending yet and no one really knows when it's going to be granted or denied. Uh, yeah, so we're hoping it's going to be okay. Um, and obviously we're planning to file a cloud more patents because in the hardware industry, in the deep tech, you just need to file as much as you can. And uh, yeah, and for that, you need some funding. Uh, so basically, yeah, we, we want and we will file uh, many more patents in the hopefully in 2021 and uh, later on, probably even more. Okay, so Donut, uh, now let's go through a couple of um, samples, let's say, I understand, of the IoT devices that you are developing. So first one, Energy Harvester Strider. Couple of sentences, what is it, in what context do you think this would be useful? That's right. So this product is uh, basically a testing product, a development. We have assembled several development kits uh, for companies just to try it out, to feel what it is, to see how much energy generates under which conditions and uh, basically to understand what's the product. So uh, that's that's what it is. And uh, uh, basically, uh, if we go on with the company to uh, to find the best application at, of their needs. We usually take this Strider and redesign it for their needs and then scale it. Okay, yeah, great. Next one, Autonomous Sensors Sonora, DTNT, HT. And again, what is it, in what context do you think this is uh, helpful? And is it already practically uh, implemented somewhere? Oh, it's still so the better version, sorry. Yes, yes, sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. So, so those sensors, they will come out in May, uh, so in a month approximately, uh, and there will be two, uh, three different versions. So that's going to be uh, vibration plus temperature, then noise plus temperature and humidity plus temperature. That's how the names are coming uh, from. So in those sensors, there will be vibration energy harvester inside uh, within the sensing part. So yeah, it's going to be an autonomous sensor, uh, which is based on LoRa connectivity. So it will be sensing the data and sharing it via via LoRa network. Mm -hmm. Like meshed, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and again, just to understand, um, this is a Sonora, uh, Sonora um, uh, sensor is supplied or is equipped, should I say, with your solution that will make the sensor autonomous for longer. Uh, exactly, exactly. Okay. So in, inside that sensor, there is an energy harvester also, which is basically, yeah, uh, will be supplying the power for the sensor autonomous mm -hmm. to make it autonomous. Yeah, yeah meaning Sonora um, box or little box, let's say, has must be installed on vibrating surface. Is that so? Uh, absolutely. So all of our okay. products has to be installed on the vibrating dynamic applications. Uh, that's where we are heading. Okay, and examples of those? Uh, our main focus right now is the railway industry, where we uh, invest 90% of our time due to many reasons. Uh, and uh, then it goes also for the mining, for the oil and gas fields, and some uh, uh, major uh, industry like pumps, generators, motors, etc. Okay, clear. Next one Autonomous Asset Tracker. Yeah, so this, this one is also coming up uh, in May. And uh, basically, that's a very, very nice product. So it, 
as every other product from us, it will be equipped within uh, the vibration energy harvester inside to, to make it autonomous. And basically this product will be able to locate the asset using three different uh, versions of uh, connectivity. So that's either GPS sniffing, Wi-Fi sniffing or LoRa triangulation. So uh, it, will, it will pick the best uh, way uh, to locate it in terms of uh, the least amounts of energy required and the accuracy. And then we'll share the data via LoRaWAN as well. So uh, we're using some pretty nice and decent new electronics from the LoRa parent company, Semtech. And uh, yeah, uh, we have turned that into the autonomous, we're turning that, I'm sorry, into the autonomous sensor very soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is the asset here? Define asset in this context, autonomous asset tracker. So something is moving around and you want to share its location, right? And yeah. what, so it, what it the, can be, yeah. The number one uh, application for that is obviously, since we are tackling the railway field, so that's gonna be a freight trains. So one of our goals for the, for the upcoming time is to develop a, a list of smart solutions for the freight trains because freight trains are probably the least uh, innovated area of the railway industry. And uh, the railway companies are one, really want to change that dramatically in the upcoming years. So the number one application for that is going to be freight trains. Why do they need these? Uh, because, well, uh, many, many different reasons. Some, uh, some are getting lost, some are getting stolen, some are getting uh, damaged in the places where they shouldn't be. And uh, basically, in, in, in the other type is knowing where your uh, package or, I don't know, whatever your shipping is, is uh, very beneficial for the, uh, for the shipping company. Mm -hmm. Can it be in, uh, stalled in a car as well, or it doesn't make sense? For a car, it doesn't really make sense because uh, in, in the car, there are plenty of ways to supply power for the energy, yeah. for the okay. GPS tracker. So it doesn't really make sense for the car. Okay, let's move on. And now, final one, vibration data logger, lo logger, yeah, Terra X, almost like SpaceX, uh, I yeah. thought myself. Yeah, uh, basically the Terra X is the complementary product for our lineup. So it, this one is doesn't have a vibration energy harvester inside. It's a battery powered because it requires a lot of power. And uh, what it does is basically um, in, in, in our roadmap up until today, we have been getting many uh, requests for uh, with the questions like, would it work there or there or there, you know? And uh, we were thinking like, how do we know? Uh, we, we have to find some, we have to develop something so that would be easier to, easy to measure where, whether the energy harvester would work in that application. So that's how the TerraX came. So basically that's the vibration data logger device, which you just install on the application of yours, desired application, and you just can leave it for a day, for uh, several days, for a, for a week. Actually, even it, it says there that up to seven days of continuous work, but uh, we can reprogram it to, to make it work uh, significantly longer, longer. So basically you just leave it, it collects the vibration data, you, you then just take it out, uh, take it out via the USB, uh, share it with us and we evaluate the vibrations. If we see that there is a potential in terms of accelerations and the uh, frequencies of the vibration, uh, we come back and say, yeah, there is, there is a thing uh, we can do. Uh, sometimes we even uh, replicate the vibrations on our machinery in our lab 
and uh, we install the uh, strider there the energy harvester and we check how much energy can be potentially developed there so if if that's the case if the vibrations are good we then go on into into you know uh, diving deeper into that application and when it's not we just say sorry but we, we can't be valuable there ah cool and seven days is more is at least one uh cycle one full cycle of any movement or anything you could measure right it's exactly. long enough long long enough uh period of time okay yeah Donut, yes, okay, and so all those four, uh, four several, several, several types of uh, IoT devices are needed. Why? What's the logic behind the solution and uh, behind the com company, basically? Uh, take sure. us through this uh, graph here. Sure. So um, currently, most of the wireless IoT sensors which are installed in the industry are powered within the batteries, and uh, uh, it is calculated that. Um, uh, the battery lasts uh, in those wireless sensors usually approximately five years there, depending on many, many things. But let's say the average is five years. So some last longer, obviously, some last less than that. But let's take the average of five years. And also it is calculated, not by us, that uh, changing just one sensor's battery costs approximately 150 euro, where the major cost is the human labor, not the battery. Battery is only several euros, but, uh, you know, finding uh, the sensor, uh, defining the sensor, changing the battery, coming there and plenty of different process, which takes a lot of time and money. So yeah, that's how much it costs. So if we would say uh, that the sensor with the battery uh, costs approximately 100 euros uh, to purchase and install. So uh, the sensor with the implemented vibration energy harvester of ours would cost approximately 150 euros as we are about to price it at approximately 50 euro level, depending on the volumes. And uh, yeah, so in, in, in 15 years time, uh, there will be two battery changes in the, in the sensor with the battery solution, uh, which will end up costing 400 euros in total. Uh, while the energy harvester backed sensor will have its cost exactly at the same level. And uh, our goal is to uh, reach those 15 years. So yeah, uh, in the x-axis, you can see the, uh, the the amount of years. And yeah, basically, that's that's the logic. Okay. So basically, the the savings gap is, is significant. The savings breach, you could say. Look, uh, Donald, you are operating with a period of times that are significantly larger than you can prove in practice uh, through the life uh, of the company itself, right? So I understand the company yeah. has what, th three, uh, four, four, three years right now. And you are um, arguing for the benefits of uh, your solution uh, throughout 15 years. How can you compensate for this lack of uh, like practical, you know, proof of concept in practice? So there are there are obviously plenty of techniques for the accelerated uh, testing, uh, just as you know, the TVs are being tested. So uh, guys are not sitting and watching TV for many years. Uh, so they're just uh, doing some tests in the in the specific uh, cameras. So we are using thermocycling cameras there where we are putting our vibration energy harvesters under the harshest conditions. So basically even the vibration shakers, which are exciting the harvester, they are not even withstanding those uh, temperatures and, and, and vibrations. So 
we are you know continuously updating our machinery uh in in, in terms of testing and yeah that's that's how we do it we just we just apply okay. accelerated testing principles yeah yeah so extra stressful conditions okay that's right good okay and uh, so you mentioned railway oil and gas industry manufacturing mining industry in your mind in the last well sorry in the next one maybe two years for the company which one sector would be the most lucrative or you know rewarding financially um uh, without any doubt the railway industry uh because of many many different factors so every single railway company at least in europe uh right now uh they're calculating uh substantial budgets for innovation in the next 10 years for digitizing their fleets and uh, infrastructure so only Deutsche Bahn is planning to spend approximately 80, 88 billion euros, if I'm not mistaken, in the next 10 years in order to digitize and then make their fleet smart. Uh, and actually one of our one of the similar companies uh, in the in the railway IoT a few few months ago, company Konax from Germany, they have won the contract with the Deutsche Bahn of 15 million euros. So that only proves that. And basically, yeah, every single every single railway company in the Europe is doing that. And uh, 2021 is a European year of rail. So the whole European Union is boosting uh, innovations right there. They have uh, started some grant, uh, basically organizations, I would say, which are, uh, you know, sharing grants for the companies like us for developing the smart, uh, innovative solutions for the, uh, for the railway industry. And uh, that's happening right now in Europe. And we're more than sure that it will be happening in the emerging markets later on. So it's a continuous trend line uh, towards the smart, innovative solutions all across the world in the railway industry. And that's why it is going to be, it, we think it's going to be massive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 which is very conservative and there's lots of stuff to innovate. Absolutely. Okay, what about, what about the financial side? Um, 2020 was good time for you as a, would you say, would you call yourself a beneficiary of uh, like COVID times or stable or what's the result? And the answer is, I don't know. Uh, the, the, the thing is that before COVID, we were having uh, some certain leaps of faith about our business model. And due to the COVID, those leaps of faith had switched and changed because they couldn't be applied anymore because many OEMs, uh, small and medium uh, enterprises failed to innovate. So basically they switched their budgets into just staying alive. And that's how we couldn't pursue working with the wireless sensor manufacturers because they were telling us like, look, it is interesting. We love your product, but we just cannot do that right now. Everyone's at home, no one's really spending any anything. And that's how we have uh, moved our business model into the railway industry, into the end user. So there is a chance that if we would have stayed in the business model, which we were trying to achieve, maybe we, we would have bankrupted. I don't know, uh, but maybe maybe the COVID really saved us uh, from uh, from fatal uh, death. And uh, but we'll see. I think we can we can evaluate that only after a year or two. Mm -hmm. 
Donut, okay, clear. So let's move on to round two, competitors. You mentioned already one similar company. Who would you say are your most um, prominent, let's say, uh, competitors in space? Yeah, so there were uh, that company, which I mentioned, company Conax from uh, from Germany. Uh, so they're, they're similar in terms of that they're developing solutions, smart IoT solution for the railway. That's the only similarity. So they're doing some interesting uh, interesting device and software for monitoring the switches on the uh, on the rail tracks uh, that's that's what they're going to do with the deutsche bahn so uh, they have some different products they cannot use our product for many reasons and, and stuff like that and in terms of our direct competitors so there was there were one company from uk uh, which was not a startup anymore and they were doing uh, vibration energy harvesting based on the electromagnetic induction. And they were also doing the plenty of sensors and also software for the railway industry. So their focus was completely on the, on the, on the railway industry. And eventually they got, per, they got, uh, they exited for, for Hitachi Rail. Uh, yeah. So, and, and we think that their product is very, very good. It's, it's uh, very nice. However, again, the problem of the electromagnetic induction is that it made this product expensive that's why uh you know it probably couldn't scale so much in the market so there are also several uh, other companies uh, startups uh, mostly in europe which are developing also those vibration energy harvesters um, uh, of the electromagnetic induction but those they did not have defined uh, application for themselves where they're focusing right now so they at least on their website their marketing materials they're sharing that they're doing for the uh, automotive industry, for the general industrial field, for railway as well, for some other applications, but there are no like a, a major focus. So, uh, and since we are switching purely into the railway industry, so again, we need time will show uh, after the COVID who are going to stay the real competitors for us and then and, and, and who are not. And who the companies that you mentioned are also basing their innovation on uh, PV, DV, right? On this polymer uh, uh, materials. No, no. That, Nobody, right? Nobody. Okay. Uh, well, according this to gives our you this, uh -huh, And this gives you this uh, pricing arbitrage, so to say. That's that, right. That's, that's what you are, you are counting on. Okay, okay. So no matter how advanced they are and how many contracts they sign with big rail, rail, rail compa railway companies and so on, if you succeed with the combination of polymer IoT and this vibration har uh, energy harvesting and so on, this in the end will give a cheaper uh, device. I understand. Significantly. Uh, at similar, yeah, at similar performance kind of and capacity, right? So basically, to give you a better overview, uh, our, our engineers are very, very much advanced in terms of developing the sensors and making them very, very low power. So. Uh, our uh, uh, technology of vibration energy harvesting, it develops less power than the electromagnetic induction, but we don't need that much power. So that's basically a trade-off. They're paying more for a bigger power, but why to pay more when you don't need that? So we develop uh, as much as we need to make it autonomous, so we don't need more. So basically you pay less and you get what you want. Okay, so no excessive, no excessive uh, electricity, right? No excessive energy yeah. that you cannot you cannot transfer to any other uses in an autonomous sensor exactly. anyways. Exactly. Okay. You okay. you cannot you cannot, yeah. Okay. So it's like in manufacturing you have just in time uh, deliveries 
or supply yeah. chains and you have just as what just 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 the amount you need basically That's uh, a good the, just the energy you need yeah yeah donna thanks let's move on to round three um in the last year or so or just in the whole history of the company actually what would you do differently today knowing what you know now i would obviously try to apply uh the lean startup methods significantly more often so that would probably help uh, me as a as an original founder at the very early stages and us as a company to save much more money to save uh, much more time and uh, probably move significantly faster than uh, than we have did so yeah that's the number one principle i try to keep in my head to keep applying the lean startup methods hmm. look interesting and what exactly was not according to lean startup kind of methods or principles uh, you would say one or two areas so at the very very beginning i've uh, really done some a lot of stupid things right there so uh, we have researched that this pvdf material which we use is a, is a great and fantastic to use in the energy harvesting so instead of trying to search who who already has a, a, a well-assembled pvdf we we were trying to manufacture our own pvdf so we were just i don't know i was signing plenty of forms i was buying plenty of chemicals signing forms that i'm not uh, making any drugs <laughs> and uh yeah and then we were trying to manufacture that in 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 retrospect in hindsight it's it's completely stupid uh but then I, i was feeling that that's the right move so that's you know uh how i just you know keep keep remembering that uh, i need to apply those those lean methods you know just move fast move fast and break things so maybe maybe the thinking back then was that you you didn't know how difficult it is basically right to 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 produce to put the formula together and so on Obviously, or maybe you just hoped you, you hoped to you know to jump at the like final product quicker yeah so basically it's it's quite straightforward that to buy it from somewhere it's going to be significantly faster than uh, trying to manufacture it on our, on your own so that's it's it's a complete no brainer uh there's no, buy you use yeah yeah you use products and that uh you can sell as mvps and at the same time work on your own right absolutely wow. absolutely Interesting. Interesting. yeah and then the, then the next thing uh, about uh probably why uh, you know uh I'm a bit hesitant you know why I didn't do that so uh, especially in the hardware field I feel I think like uh, you, you have to really fake it till you make it so you cannot just wait until your technology is completely ready and and then just go on and try to share that if uh it's it's good that uh you know we have started doing that and we were honest about what we do you know we were not telling lies for anyone we were telling like look this is the stage of our product uh but you know so that's where we are that's who we are and is it interesting for you so basically yeah i think that's crucial for any startup but especially for the hardware startups that fake it till you make it get the traction get the comments from the market and uh, and then you know uh at the same time get get the product done and and start running the feedback loop with your clients right perfect yeah, the... yeah perfectly said exactly interesting 
it seems so like so like taken from the book of a startup right what, what why yeah. do you think you took longer to like to, to make your product more perfect let's say or closer closer to perfection i understand without with not and not went into the market with the mvp basically is it the case that the industry itself is expecting like high level precision high level uh, of readiness and this is just the client kind of expectations that you have so, so first first of all uh our mvp was done at the end of 2019 and uh, back then we have assembled several test kits or development kits if you will uh which we were started offering and basically we have sold i think uh something like 10 of those development kits all across the world in the first quarter of 2020 and uh, everything looked great. So yeah, we have, uh, we have sold those MVPs and uh, we were, we were trying to, you know, uh, make that happen because me and, and my co-founder, we're coming originally from sales and marketing field. So it's like in our blood to, to be selling to cold calling and, and, and reaching out. So that's what we were doing, but then the pandemic came and then it, you know, just mixed all those things completely and that's what it made us to rethink our business model and right now once we're approaching that railway field um it's it's different uh we cannot sell that much that many development kits because they don't need development kits they need a final product or they need a proof of concept project where we can develop something together with them with the development kits they will just basically do nothing they will if they will buy it they will put it on a shelf Uh, usually, so that's a completely way, a different way to to approach a different market. Market. So many times, as 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 soon as we are touching on the mistakes or or something that would 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 be done differently, um, uh, founders that I meet on this podcast basically very often mention that they sooner into the market, go sooner to the client, and. Um, That's probably one of those things that uh, make that is different from Central Eastern European or European startups and let's say American startups, right? Where the culture of just getting into the wild and just try to you know beat around the bush the sooner the better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I will agree with that. So I think that probably even from the day one, when the idea came, test it first by talking to the potential user. And, and then try to go to develop. And that's also part of the lean startup, you know, uh, test it first before, before investing time and building it. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on then, uh, Donut. And you are the guy for round four, which is about the company, the team and the founding team as well. Uh, in a nutshell about the founders, um, Donut Ponomarev in front uh, of us on the screen, CEO and co-founder. Um, Vitautas Yashkevichus and Donatas Darkshas, right? That's right. So what's the division of labor in the founding team? Um, and the one, a couple of words about how you met, guys. So me and Vitautas, we've been working at uh, one company uh, before, uh, before starting Yezo. So uh, we were working as a Uh, export sales representatives uh, right there and the company was doing some uh, IOT for fleet management uh, for trucks and we were selling that all across the world so then uh, he went out from there I stayed there 
And uh, yeah, uh, after that, the idea about the Viazo came and then I offered him to join, to scan the market, to do the basically the reaching out and talking to customers, he, he joined. Then uh, when uh, basically we understood that there is a way to the market and we started fundraising. So we have met with several VC companies in, in Lithuania and they have told us like, look guys, also at the same time, we were working with a university, a local technical university in Lithuania. So they were doing most of the R&D for us. And uh, basically those VCs told us like, you cannot uh, fundraise without CTO and just uh, have, have a university uh, in your back only. So that's not possible. You have to find a CTO. And that's how we went in on looking. Uh, the, the thing that me and Vitotas were coming from the sales uh, background, we did not have uh, many, a, a good network of engineers. So we just went into the LinkedIn and then just started uh, reaching out. And uh, that's how Donatas uh, responded. And uh, we're extremely lucky that he responded and he decided to join because when he responded, we said, we thought like, okay, let's meet at the university. So we will talk with those guys from the university because we, we ourselves, we couldn't, uh, we wouldn't be able to evaluate his knowledge or something. So we decided that the engineers can evaluate engineers. And then after that talk, the guys from the university told us, you will never buy him uh, because he's just too good. And eventually we, we, we did. Uh, so we're extremely happy. Uh, as far as we know, he's extremely happy working with us. So it's a, it's a, it was a very good match. So uh, in terms of our roles in the, in the startup, so I take care of all the business part, basically the, uh, I mean, uh, Mitotos is taking care of sales and marketing and Donatos is taking care of all the uh, technical part and I take care of everything else. So, so th those are our roles. Do I understand correctly? Uh, of all the founders, you are the youngest. Yeah. And Donatus is the uh, most experienced. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Life-wise and, and career-wise as well. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So he was developing some plenty of IoT solutions for more than 15 years already. So he knows that industry by heart. Yeah, yeah, okay. What about the rest of the team? You are eight altogether, I understand, right now, right? Uh, actually 10 already, <laughs> so, uh, we have increased a bit, uh, so I, there is a, there is an old information on the slides probably. So yeah, we're, we're 10. So most, the rest of our team, uh, we have two more, uh, people in the business development and, and, and sales slash marketing. And, uh, the other guys are in the, uh, uh, mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, and some. Uh, doing it also some manufacturing, which is required for us to, to, to develop those testing kits right now. So, okay. Yeah. Are you hiring now? And do you have any hiring plans for 2021? Uh, for 2021, uh, we will be hiring uh, a bit more. So the plan is to hire um, some programmers, programmers for firmware programming, since we're uh, releasing some sensors and then the asset tracker. Uh, so we will need uh, also one more firmware programmer and uh, yeah, and the electronics engineer as well. So those are uh, the ones we, which we will be definitely looking for the other ones. We will see how, how the situation will evolve. By other ones, you mean probably non-technical science, right? In, no, technical, uh, because ah, okay. in terms of business development part, so we feel like we have a 
we have a, you know a full hand of uh, uh, for people who can take care of all the uh, business development and marketing efforts so that's okay uh, but in terms of engineering as mentioned probably in the in, at the start of the uh, the podcast that we we need an army of engineers uh, and it probably won't be enough <laughs> and to hire an army of uh, engineers you need, you need you need of course um, funds for that and that's where we breached that's how I breach um, our conversation into round five formula f3 as we call this and our definition definition of f3 is funding for the future but as far as funding by now I understand in 2020 June more or less right you managed to close pre-seed round of, uh, of 180,000 euros with investors like uh, Leadban, which is Lithuanian business angel network uh, and uh, alongside with co-invest that's right. Anybody, anybody I missed? So that's that's it. No, th that that was a combination. So there were five uh, uh, private uh, angels and then the co-invest co capital who mm -hmm. believed in us. Yeah, and so Lidban was is an interesting case as well. Uh, they um, showcase uh, what a network of one hundred fifty uh, angels. I understand, and so they pitch your pro your solution to them, right? And uh, five of those uh pulled pulled like together to and invest and they invest as lead van or they invest individually uh, they invest individually okay clear. Uh, Interesting. yeah so but yeah the, the the process is pretty much as you have mentioned so there are monthly uh pitch sessions so uh, you basically just share your startup details to their uh, application form and they choose all those angels choose five companies to pitch every month and uh, yeah, we went, we, we got to pitch into one event. And then after that, it was not like after that event, we got five angels uh, on board and then everything went on. No, uh, we, I mean, our product is very, very specific and uh, it was not easy to, to uh, get the funds for it. Uh, but yeah, so basically the process took approximately six months, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to close that round from that pitch session. So yeah, it was, it, there were things to do, uh, but I can understand, you know, uh, again, our product is not very typical. It's not software, uh, which is easier to crunch and understand. So yeah, that's why the process went uh, so long. Yeah, yeah, one more question on Lidban. Um, are they considering own Lithuanian companies no, or uh, agnostic to regions and jurisdictions? As far as I understand, I know that they're agnostic. So from the, and I know that from the pitch session, we were there that uh, there were company from, I don't want to be mistaken, but I think there was a company from Australia even. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> I think so. Or, or like Australian born UK uh, founder, something like that. But also from Latvia, from, from all the other countries. Uh, yeah, so there were uh, outside companies as well. Okay, so back to Vieso now, uh, Donut. What about the next financing round? You have uh, ambitious plans. You mentioned uh, some of them, of course. Do you have any plan right now? And um, what are they for the next financing round? Yeah. So the next financing round of ours is planned to be done for the October slash November this year. So that's going to be a seed round. And we're estimating to 
uh, raise approximately 2.4 million euro uh, right there uh, to establish our manufacturing to growth and, and grow and strengthen our engineering and business development teams to start operations in DAC in, in Munich probably, but we'll see. Um, yeah, and uh, basically uh, try to go, uh, I say try right now, but we'll, we'll uh, escalate that work later. Uh, so try to go into the software part of the business by adding the MRR into, into our revenue streams. Yeah, of course, with MRR and fully established, it will be easier than to uh, plan the A round at some point, right? Obviously, okay. yeah. I know, I know it's pretty early, but I'd like to ask this question. Do you have an, an exit plan right now, or what would be the ideal exit plan for yourself? Honestly, I don't know. We, we have some thoughts which we share in, internally in our team, but those are like, they're not supported by any facts and arguments. So. Right now, we're not working for exit. Uh, what we're really stunned of the uh, possibilities of the market we're tackling in. So that's why we're not even thinking about the exits uh, right now. So we feel that there is a, if the product is going to be working as it should, the energy harvester, then really sky's the limit for the possibilities right there. And we're not planning to sell, to sell anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, and by the way, um, to reach the moment when you are sure and confident whether or not this is a scalable product, wh what do you need for that? And when do you think this will be the this decisive um, like moment and bifurcation in the history of the company? You know. uh, the 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 uh, the due date uh, for that to be happen, at least for now, it's uh, to be reached until the seed round financing. So uh, in quarter three. Uh, slash quarter four, uh, we shall we shall have that uh, done and ready for the railway industry. So meaning that you can will be able to just put a stamp on it that it is lifetimed and uh, it can work for a needed amount of time uh, on the railway industry under the railway industry harsh vibrations. So guys, everyone uh, watching this uh, podcast, you are almost uh, witnessing the birth of a. Uh supernova that will go like that will go off let's say somewhere during 2021 and we wish you uh this success and to reach this as soon as possible thank you very much for the chat donna thank you thank you Ali. all the best bye-bye thank you bye-bye so Vieso is yet another startup from central and eastern european uh, region that has joined our pre-a club that's it for now but there's more to come. Bye-bye.